Howdy! On today's episode of the Better Living for Texans podcast, we've got a really fun, interesting interview for you. We will be joined by BLT agent Carrie Kennedy in Harris County to answer this question. What is the relationship between agriculture and nutrition? Episode 7. I'm Emily Nelson, and just as we mentioned, we're learning about the relationship between food and agriculture. And our interview with Carrie was really interesting. It was to learn about kind of how food gets from the farm to our plates. So after talking with Carrie uh, before this podcast aired, I was really interested to find out more about this process here in Texas. So I did a little research, and according to an article by Leslie Hinton in Texas A&M Today, Almost a quarter of the average American food consumption is imported. So, however, within the United States, California produces the nation's largest assortment of volume and volume of fruits and vegetables on nearly four and a half million acres. So they lead in production of broccoli, artichokes, kiwis, plums, spinach, carrots, garlic, strawberries, you name it. Um, and that was information from the USDA's 2012 agricultural census data. And it also noted, though, that Texas still is a significant producer of fruits. And that may be, or not, it may be, it is because of the um, warmer temperatures that we have all year round. So not just California and Texas, but also kind of these southern southwest states, again, Arizona. And so that climate really has a lot to do with the amount of food that is coming and being produced here in the United States. But even with those kind of seasonality uh, variables, the most of the fruits that we eat off season actually come from the Southern Hemisphere. So like for example, let's take berries. So not only are they absolutely delicious, but we've learned you know, in our past podcast that fruits is a vital part of your daily requirements as recommended by my plate. And so the fresh blueberries you eat maybe on your pancakes or in your yogurt, say in the middle of winter, are most likely imported from South Africa. And so in the early 1970s, the U.S. was a net exporter of fruits and vegetables. So an exporter would be that a lot of fruits and vegetables are going out of the United States. But today, our nation is actually a net importer. So in looking at the USDA data, the volume of the U.S. fruit and vegetable imports increased from 35 to 50% in from 1999 to 2014. So that's only in, you know, 15-ish years, so a relatively a short amount of time. So again, this is just one example. So maybe the next time you're in your kitchen or in the produce section of your grocery store, just check to see where your food's coming from. It's not a bad thing if it's coming from the United States or if it's coming from, you know, out of the country that we're not here for that conversation, but it's just really interesting and kind of fun to see the journey that our food makes to end up on our plate in our little section of the grocery store in our neighborhood. And it's really, it really is this international journey. So I'm really excited for this interview with Carrie. I hope you enjoy it just as much. She is such a well-versed traveler. And so just listening to the kind of stories that she has as she has traveled literally around the world uh, to learn about this kind of journey and the relationship, the supply chain of food um, from farm to, to table is really interesting. So let's go ahead and get right to our interview. All right. So we have on the show, Carrie Kennedy, and she is our BLT agent 
in Harris County. So thanks for coming on, Carrie, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm super excited um, to do this today. But yeah, so I'm the BLT agent in Harris County. I am a registered dietitian. Um, I am from Round Rock, Texas, so north of Austin. And I got my undergrad from Texas A&M in nutrition and health um, with a minor in psychology. And then I got my master's from Texas A&M also um, in international agricultural development. And so um, a little bit about kind of like my career path is basically going from undergrad, like after I finished my bachelor's degree, I traveled overseas to like 13 different countries over the course of a year. Um, and really saw a lot of the world and how um, just like telling someone what they should or shouldn't be eating um, that isn't really helpful if you don't understand agriculture because most countries are run on agriculture. Um, and that's the primary place in their workforce is agricultural related jobs. And so um, that's kind of what drove me to get my master's in international agricultural development instead of just sticking with the clinical nutrition route. Um, but through my time in grad school, I was studying vitamin A deficiency in Haiti. Um, and that was a really interesting project. And that helped me also tie together some of my clinical skills with, um, some agricultural science. That sounds awesome. That's so of the 13 countries you went to just real quick, which one was your favorite? Oh, that's like the hardest question. Um, (laughs) you know, different countries, there's different things you like about different countries. Right. Right. The answer I the answer Which I've come one? up with is culturally um, Guatemala. I love the culture, the okay. colors. Um, mm-hmm. Scenically, I love the Philippines. Just all the mountains and beaches is beautiful. That sounds awesome. Very cool. So I guess that that's a kind of the main. I mean, I feel like you're the the person to talk to about this this topic. So how is nutrition and agriculture related? I know you said a little bit in your introduction right there of how it's, it's how the food that we eat, especially the healthy foods we eat, a lot of that's dependent on like how it's grown and also where it's grown and what's like, you know, easily accessible in your region and your state or you name it. So I guess if you were to answer kind of this really broad question, how is nutrition and agriculture related? Yeah, it's kind of a a can of worms. Um, And ironically, I feel like it's a question that's easier to understand from the perspective of most countries other than America. Um, I feel like a lot of the ways that um, topics like nutrition are are taught and addressed in this country, um, it's like it's approached very like scientifically, like we should just eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, mm-hmm. whereas in a lot of other countries, it's, it's not that simple because eating more fruits and vegetables means they can export less fruits and vegetables, which is their primary source of income. And so, um, a good example of that may be a place like Guatemala, where, um, if, if someone owns an avocado farm, well, they're, they're going to benefit more <laughs> from exporting that avocado to the U S than eating it themselves, if that makes sense. So there's just a bit of a gap between um, understanding what all goes into. And also, if you ask a kid in America, um, or maybe anywhere, if you ask a kid, like, where do carrots come from? They'll say, like, oh, yeah, baby carrots. They just grow, you know, like on, on a <laughs> yeah. vine, out of the ground. And, you know, realize, like, oh, there's a lot that goes into actually, like, 
growing the production of it yes (laughs) and buying it in a plastic bag at your grocery store (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly yep and now it's gotten even worse because you can get groceries online and through apps and have them delivered to your door and so there's even more of a gap between agriculture and food that's so interesting so um I know you kind of like had the international example there what would you say I mean this isn't like has to be a you know evidence-based response, but what would you say in Houston, which is obviously where um, Harris County is in the Houston area, what would you say is like a trend that you notice in your community? Um, I could probably answer that a couple of different ways. Um, one trend is probably, like I just said, just like an increasing gap between knowledge of agriculture and nutrition, but then um, A big part of that is like the general population in Houston, I wouldn't say has farming related jobs. You know, that's not Mm -hmm. our primary source of income. We don't all own farms in our backyard because Houston of all places, there's just so much, um, so much of our land has been turned into roads and sidewalks. There's a lot less agricultural land in Houston than maybe there once was, um, And so that gap of knowledge is pretty big. There are some places where you can go like learning gardens where you can go and learn um, more about how that looks. And then there's also container gardening has become a thing that a lot of people are getting into and that's still valuable. Um, But yeah, that gap of knowledge is probably a really big thing that I've seen in Harris County. And then um, also just like convenience foods, you know, like the more we Mm -hmm. have processed and convenience foods, the less we understand what all went into getting it from point A to point B and what we're actually paying for, you know? Um, right. Yeah. Why that bag of salad costs $7 instead of the, let- the head of lettuce costs 99 cents, you know? Right, 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 right. So you, you're talking about this gap of knowledge and where, I mean, at BLT, we definitely have some, some gardening programs. And how does that kind of fit into, into this conversation and maybe filling that educational gap? Um, with, you know, our programs like Learn, Grow, Eat, and Go and and things like that. Yeah, um, that's actually one of the reasons why um, taking on this role with BLT was a really good fit for myself. Um, Because I I do believe that's a big part of like, what what I want to accomplish through my career is helping bridge those gaps. And so our programs like Learn, Grow, Eat, Go um, really help do that because especially for the kids, so Learn, Grow, Eat, Go is a youth curriculum and through offering it to the students um, they're able to develop these skills that just really help them evaluate food um, as an objective scientist, as in they're being told to evaluate, you know, the carrot, don't just say I like it or don't like it, but like, is it crunchy? Mm-hmm. What is the mouth feel? What is the temperature? What is the consistency? Um, so they're learning to view food more objectively, which helps with their nutritional decisions later in life because then they know, um, from an early age, like, okay, I'm not eating just for pleasure. Like though food can bring pleasure. Like that's not the reason I'm eating. I'm eating for nutrients. And so that means that maybe this tastes crunchy, but like, I don't like the bitterness of it, but that's okay. You know what I mean? They're learning these different aspects of food. Um, so I love that about that curriculum. And then also getting to build the gardens with the kids. Um, I mean, we have all kinds of statistics throughout the program that, We've really, we've really seen a lot of results, basically. We've seen that like, um, if kids are hands-on growing their own fruits and vegetables, which we're able to do through these gardens that we build at the schools, 
Um, if the kids are there and they're naming that baby carrot, um, this is Freddie, the baby carrot. I'm going to take care of him (laughs) every day. It just develops that relationship with food, um, that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And then they are more likely to eat more vegetables as a result of it. Um, so one of those cool examples that I've heard of is, um, at one of our, at one of our schools, one of the kids had grown some green onions and he had taken off the top of it and was going around and like handing it out to his classmates. So this is like a third grader. And so, um, at lunchtime, you know, the staff looks around and the whole third grade class is like munching on green onions. And that's not something you would ever see, but the fact that they grew it and the guy was like, look what I grew and handing it out to everyone made it, um, an exciting experience for everyone. And so it's really cool. That sounds, I love that story. And then you yeah. can get like a whole like group of friends. You got Freddie and the baby carrot and like Jerry, the green onion, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. And I like how it starts too at a young age um, that, you know, hopefully then, you know, builds kind of like a lifestyle pattern of, I think, not necessarily, or hopefully obviously eating healthier over time. But also I think, you, like you said, changing that relationship with how we approach and how we consume food that where it's, I need this because this will help me in the long run rather than I like this because it's sugary and it tastes good for, you know, 30 Mm -hmm. seconds. And then you feel, you know, like garbage after eating it. Um, but changing that kind of uh, that narrative, but also that mindset of how we, we eat food. So I guess Mm -hmm. one question as we close out, this has been so fascinating. Um, what is your favorite or what's like the, I guess, what's like the weirdest thing that you've seen planted and grown for consumption in all your travels or even in Houston? Oh man. Well, in Houston, one of the schools that I work with, um, one of the schools that I work with has a Vietnamese botanist as their principal. And so um, so, cool. <laughs> so when I came on site to start our um, Learn, Grow, Eat, Go garden, he already had a whole orchard of, um, for lack of a better word, like international um, fruit trees. And some of them <laughs> I had heard of, like there was an orange tree and um, things like that that I had heard of. But then like the, I think a pumelo and there was just some like very, very different ones that I had never heard of that he had this whole orchard already planted and was kind of introducing the kids to. And so it was really great um, to come along and plant, you know, the Swiss chard and the bok choy and the um, cabbage was a big thing for them. Um, But anyway, to plant all that in addition to this giant orchard that they already had of all these like random fruit trees that I hadn't even heard of some of them, but... (laughs) That's so cool. And that's like happening in your own backyard of Houston. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, and the biggest thing, just like as, as, as like a dietitian, what I always emphasize is like the relationship with food is like, it's so important and we all have one. Um, mm-hmm. And so especially for children, like establishing that relationship in a healthy way at a young age, they can see where the plant comes from. They can learn to um, kind of like monitor their own like hunger cues and preferences on their own at a young age, like all that's really important because otherwise um, our country as a whole is like having this tendency towards like an obese population and towards like really poor food choices and towards unhealthy relationships with food. And so a really good way to combat that is by reaching those younger generations and targeting having a healthy relationship with food and really understanding 
um, that growth of the vegetables. Yeah, that sounds great. That, yeah. I think this was a great conversation, Carrie. Thank you so yeah. much. This yeah, is great. hopefully Thanks we can yeah, take me. something from, of course, of course, take something and learn. I mean, I'm already just thinking of kind of, um, obviously gardening is like a fun way to get outside and such, but again, like kind of reframing that thought of why do we eat what we eat, you know? Um, and thinking about kind of like the backstory of how that food got to our plate. Um, not just how did it get to the grocery store, but why did I select that food to put on my plate? Just really kind of being conscientious of that conversation is like already the wheels are already turning in my mind. So thank you, Mm -hmm. Carrie. Yeah. And then even just being mindful, if you're going around the grocery store, like the blueberries I picked up today, just looking on that label and being like, Oh, this says product of Argentina. Like, I wonder what Mm -hmm. family, like, you know, grew and farmed these things. Um, And that's a good learning tool for the family and for kids too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps it up for our episode today. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we will be joined by Wendy Hamilton, who is another BLT agent over in Brown County. So moving up from Houston to about Central Texas. And um, so I'm really looking forward to that episode as well. In the meantime, be sure to go like, follow, subscribe, listen to our previous episodes. Uh, Follow us on social media, facebook.com backslash better living for Texans or give us a shout out on uh, on instagram or twitter at better texans and or check us out online at blt.tamu.edu and again drop a comment send us an email we would love to hear your feedback and any sort of commentary that you have and to learn from you if you have questions if you want us to talk about something again feel free to reach out to us we are here we are a resource for you and we will see you next week The USDA is an equal opportunity provider and employer. This material was funded by the USDA's Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP.